Lasso, good morning, everyone. Delighted to have our honored guests with us. Uh, so, delighted to have you here. And in a few moments, we will have a cameo appearance by Klaus Heben. I think he's on his way. We just had a conversation, a Skype call with some folks back in California. Here he comes. Uh, so, I'm going to wait a few seconds for Klaus to come in the door. Get to see the man behind the scenes. So Klaus Heben, uh, to our vendor Mabante, Klaus Heben is the, the, the benefactor, the, the CEO, the director of this entire uh, Phuket International Academy with his school, the Sports and Leisure Club, the Mind Center. So Klaus, welcome. This, this is our benefactor, our dear friend, and the man who is the visionary behind everything you're seeing here at the PIA. So we're extremely glad to have you here, Klaus. So. Let's just go right back to it. Uh, as uh, in our strategy or our schedule over this, this last 10 days or so has been to have a short session in the morning focusing on different modes of the practice of samatha. And so we've been going, we began with a mindfulness of breathing, a very gentle, very kind of initial phase yesterday. We'll move into a second phase today. So we're, and we're going through the cycle for a second time now. And so in the mornings, we've been doing the different phases of samatha. In the afternoon, different phases of the all four Brahma-viharas. So we began with metta yesterday. We'll return to metta this afternoon. So in the morning, then you all know where we are. We're in the midst of mindfulness of breathing. And with this enormously important emphasis, which is so easily overlooked, especially in the modern world, of emphasizing, first of all, a sense of looseness, of relaxation, of calm, of comfort in the body and mind before launching into the practice. Uh, it can be, it's very easily done, and I did it myself when I went into my first shamatha retreat 30 years ago, of just feeling sheer raw enthusiasm would be enough. And, I, and I'd studied, I'd, I'd received a lot of instructions, so I thought, I know how to do it, I've got enormous amount of enthusiasm, and that should be enough. Vast enthusiasm and knowledge, a lot of very, very careful teachings, and I just go for it. Turns out that's not sufficient. Not sufficient. So I thought before we go into the morning session, and these will be brief comments because we only have about a half an hour, maybe 40 minutes on the outside when we stretch it. But there's some, uh, in this regard, I think some very valuable wisdom from the Buddhist tradition of re the references to the five faculties which, de when developed, turn into what are called the five ba powers or five bala. So they start, as, start out as faculty, something we already have, indriya, but as faculties, like intelligence, like memory, and so forth, ones that can be developed, and when they're developed to strength, then they're called balas, or powers. And so I think this is, this is worth a couple of minutes. And that is, on the one hand, let's refer to this, this, this faculty. It's called vidya. It's often translated as effort, as energy. But it also can have, and it clearly does in the Mahayana tradition, very explicitly, it has a connotation of enthusiasm. It's not just trying hard. It's zeal, it's enthusiasm, it's taking great delight, having kind of a visionary quality to the practice. You really love to practice, you're eager to get into it, right? So all of that goes with vidya. It's not just sheer grit and determination. But it is possible to have too much enthusiasm that it's out of balance. That, that is out of balance. So among the five faculties, that which needs to balance the enthusiasm is simply the single-pointedness of attention. So when I trained with uh, Balangoda Anandamaitre, as my, my primary teacher in the Theravada tradition, he was, this was 29 years ago, 
um, he gave me instructions on Anapanasati, the mindfulness of breathing. And I heard his instructions, and I was very eager, full of enthusiasm, and I told him, I'll try. That's exactly vidya. I'll try. Okay, I'll try. And he turned to me and said, no. Just do it. <laughs> Don't get up, oh, okay. No, no, just when you sit down and you're actually doing the practice, forget everything else. All your vision, your enthusiasm, what you want, what you're hoping for, aspiring for, the wish to do as well as you possibly can. When you're doing it, just boom, what are you doing? You're just following the sensations of your breath. And you're doing it single-pointedly without distraction. That balances. On the other hand, if you don't have the enthusiasm, if you don't have the, the effort, the discipline, the, the energy behind it, then you won't get to this actual practice of just doing it and being single-pointed. So one of my teachers, when I, uh, when I was doing a, well, this is a lot, many years ago, doing a six-month retreat up in the desert, and he was giving me instructions. I would phone him about every two weeks because he lived 800 miles away. And I was receiving his instructions, and he told me, Alan, you're practicing with too much desire. Remember that story, some of you. Practicing with too much desire. And I said, well, desire, but I'm not thinking about anything besides the practice. Like, you know, money and reputation and sensual desires. I, I, why are you saying I have too much desire? Because that's not what I sense. I, I just really want to do the practice. And he said, yeah, that's what I'm referring to. It's too much desire. Too much, you know, calm down here, buddy. <laughs> you know, cool it. And when you're doing the practice, just do it. And then I countered back and I said, but what about all the prayers, the aspirations the, to the guru lineage, the, pra- the aspirations, the vision, achieving liberation, enlightenment, all of that. Isn't that desire? And he said, yeah, do that between sessions. Right. So really arousing yourself, getting visionary, getting enthusiastic, developing the, you know, the zeal and all of that, really good in between sessions. But when you're in the session, just do the practice. Make it simple. Just do it. So there's the balance of the samadhi, the single-pointedness of attention, and the zeal. Right? Then there are two other, two other elements to be, to be balanced. One of these, I'll just keep with the Sanskrit, prajna, which can be understood as both wisdom but also as intelligence the two together, because we're already born with it. It's already a chetasika, a mental factor that we already have, and it can be developed. So intelligence may turn into wisdom when it's ripe. But that to be balanced with shraddha, with faith and confidence. And that's not only in the practice, in the teachings, the lineage, the teachings of the Buddha himself, but also confidence in oneself. That if you don't feel you can do it, if you oh, I'll probably never succeed, then, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, that's, that's gonna, undermine your enthusiasm and so forth. So having a confidence, but see, one can imagine easily how the confidence might be too heavy. And that is having so much confidence, you don't check. You don't use your intelligence to see, is this practice really working well enough? Have I understood it correctly? Am I practicing correctly? And so if you have too much faith, it can be blind. And you're not drawing on and developing your own discerning ability. Discerning ability as we look at excitation, as we look at laxity, dullness, agitation, and so forth. Discerning, checking carefully, and not just having the, oh, I'm sure I'm doing it well. I'm sure I'm doing it well. I feel so much confidence. I'm sure I can do this well. And then letting that overshadow your intelligence to see whether the practice is really being done correctly or not. Right? On the other hand, if it's overweighted in the intelligence, but you don't have sufficient uh, confidence, faith, in yourself, in the practice and teachings, of course, that's going to always be second-guessing. And you won't be able to develop continuity that way either. So that's four out of five. 
The fifth one, and it's on this point that I'll stop, is our beloved sati, or mindfulness. And this is where it's very important to recognize that according to Buddhist tradition, that is for the first 2,500 years, mindfulness is not just bare attention. It's been drastically, frankly, dumbed down and simplified, where it's equated with bare attention, and that's just really too bad, because it just misses so much of the nuance, the depth, and the texture of what mindfulness really means in the Buddhist in the Buddhist context. Mindfulness, first of all, means remembering. It means not forgetting. So as you're sitting down, and we're going to do this practice in a moment, of mindfulness of breathing, then you'll recall what is mindfulness, what is introspection or samprajanya, what is excitation, what is laxity, what are the antidotes, how was I to count, what were the, what were the techniques of counting, and so forth. So as you're doing the practice, you need to remember what you've heard. And that's retrospective mindfulness. It is remembering the instructions. On the other hand, secondly, you're practicing mindfulness of breathing, and this is an ongoing present flow of not forgetting the sensations of the breath. So if you remember what you're supposed to do, but then don't engage with the breath, then you're not doing the practice at all. So this is an ongoing flow of not forgetting, not letting your attention disperse, be carried away, right? But now as we're practicing there, then you'll remember from the past, if excitation arises, should that arise, as I, I, what I want to do is just focus on the breathing. But if my mind does get carried away, what am I supposed to do? You remember the antidotes. Well, now you have to practice prospective memory. In anticipation, over the course of this session, if excitation or laxity arises, then I must remember to recognize it as soon as possible and remedy it in such and such a way. So we can see mindfulness here is retrospective, present-centered, and prospective. And then you see the richness of sati, of smriti in Sanskrit, the richness of it, that it's not just bare attention. It's much rich, and it includes bare attention, but it's much more than that, right? But now we can see that among these five faculties, among the five powers, it is mindfulness that's like in the, in the middle of a balance. It is that which enables you to balance the enthusiasm, the effort with single-pointedness and balance your, your intelligence with faith. It's mindfulness. Recalling the teachings, recalling the immediate implementation of the practice in the present moment and the perspective. Mindfulness is the key to balancing all the other four. Okay? It's really quite wonderful. Really quite, quite brilliant, I think. And it goes right back to the teachings of the Buddha himself. So it has a long, a long pedigree, a long heritage. Okay? Good. Let's have one session. We're moving now in mindfulness of breathing to the emphasis on stability, with the, yesterday's emphasis being on relaxation. So please find a comfortable position. It can be either in the sitting or the supine position as you wish.
re-emphasize as I have so many times in the past the importance of entering into the practice with a very gentle spirit, a spirit of loving kindness for oneself, extending this out to all those around you, as you gently let your awareness descend into the body, into the field of tactile sensations, right down to the ground, to the earth element where your body is in contact with the ground, In this quietly witnessing mode of awareness, then let your awareness rise up and fill the space of the body to the top of the head, mindfully present throughout the body as you settle the body in its natural state, a ground state of relaxation, stillness, and vigilance. It's important in balancing the body that it is at the same time deeply relaxed, at the same time adopting a posture of vigilance with the spine straight, the sternum slightly lifted, the abdominal muscles loose and relaxed, so that when you breathe in, the sensations of the breath descend right to the lower abdomen, which expands as you breathe in, falls back as you breathe out, effortlessly. And as a means to settling this inner voice, this inner commentary, the chit-chat of the mind, in its natural state, one of effortless silence, settle your respiration in its natural rhythm, relaxing deeply with every out-breath, relaxing through the end of the out-breath until the in-breath flows in effortlessly. relinquishing control over the breath, allowing it to flow without restraint and without effort, releasing thoughts with every out-breath. Finally, in terms of this preparation for the main practice, settle your mind in its natural state. 
setting our mind at ease by releasing for the time being all concerns, hopes, and fears about the future and the past. Release your awareness into the present moment, resting in its own natural luminosity. Let your awareness illuminate the sensations of the breath wherever they most distinctly manifest throughout the whole field of the body. So we begin with an emphasis on relaxation of the mind, a diffuse but present awareness of the sensations of the breath throughout the body. The ever so important sequence in the cultivation of shamatha is first cultivating the sense of ease and relaxation in body and mind, then introducing the element of discipline by cultivating greater stability and continuity of focused attention, and finally introducing the element of clarity, enhancing the vividness and acuity of attention. The sequence here cannot be overemphasized. So now with some basis of the body and mind at ease, relaxed, and comfortable, let's balance now the sense of relaxation with an increasing stabilization of the attention by focusing more narrowly on the rise and fall of the abdomen the tactile sensations as the belly expands during inhalation, falls back during exhalation, without visualizing the belly. Focus single-pointedly on the tactile sensations of the rise and fall of the abdomen.
central to maintaining the continuity of focused attention is to release the flow of obsessive and compulsive thinking. So let every out-breath be a special occasion for instantly releasing any thoughts, memories, images that arise. Or should your attention be caught by some other sensory, sensory appearance, sound, other tactile sensations. As you breathe out, release these distractions. Remember to first of all relax and release, and secondly, to return your attention immediately to the object of mindfulness. In this practice, the tactile sensations of the rise and fall of the abdomen with each in and out breath. As there is an oscillation of the in and out breath, you may also arouse and relax the degree of effort involved in the practice. It may be a very skillful means to arouse and focus your attention clearly and sharply during the course of inhalation. As the breath flows out, Sustain the flow of mindfulness of the sensations of the breath, but do so as you deeply relax, letting go tension in the body, letting go any distracting thoughts. By arousing your attention during inhalation, you overcome the imbalance of, of laxity and dullness. By relaxing with each exhalation, you diffuse the energy behind distracting thoughts, agitation, excitation. Balance your attention with each full cycle of the respiration. Now, as a temporary skillful means, a preliminary exercise, experiment with counting the breath. Some people find it helpful, others do not. 
but see for yourself whether counting the breaths can help to subdue the many wandering thoughts that arise. And one method of counting the breaths is to wait to the very end of inhalation, just before exhalation begins. And at that turnaround point, mentally and very briefly count one. Relax during the out-breath, focusing on the sensations at the abdomen, releasing thoughts. Arouse your attention during inhalation, maintaining the flow of mindfulness there at the abdomen. Until you come to the end of the second breath and you count two. Very brief staccato counts. Make sure that you're maintaining mindfulness of breathing and not reducing that to mindfulness of counting. You may count one through ten, one through ten. One short count at the end of each inhalation. At this phase in the practice, it's important not only to utilize and refine your faculty of mindfulness, but also your faculty of introspection, or samprajanya, monitoring the flow of the attention, recognizing as quickly as possible whether either laxity or excitation has arisen. If laxity, recognize it quickly and remedy it by arousing your interest and focusing your attention clearly. As for 
excitation, first of all, recognize it. Relax. Loosen up. And then return your attention to the meditative object. It is mindfulness that sustains introspection. Introspection that is the quality control for mindfulness. Let's continue practicing now in silence for the rest of the session.
muscle. I'd like to thank you, the Venerable Bhikkhus, for joining us, Klaus, for joining us. And Klaus, I know we all, uh, we all really, our hearts, our hearts are with you. We know how hard we, our hearts are with you. We know how very, very hard you're working. Uh, I think they, people have a pretty good sense of the overall vision, and we just all want it to flourish. It's a marvelous vision. So thank you for meditating behind you. You, ha you have your troops, 36 people meditating behind you. <laughs> so welcome. Olaso, continuity. I, I trust you will continue breathing between now and 4.30 when we gather again. Please do. And so if you can maintain at least a peripheral awareness of the in-outflow of the breath in between sessions, then when you slip back into the formal sessions, it will be a smoother transi transition and the whole day will be well spent. So let's maintain continuity. I'll see you at 4.30.